Welcome to Retirement Unlimited with Randy Barkley and Jeremiah Lee. This is a program where we discuss life's hard financial questions to help you make smart decisions about your money. I'm a certified financial planner and Jeremiah is a California licensed attorney. We work together at Tricord Advisors. Tricord is a registered investment advisory firm where we help our clients build the life that they love. If you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on future episodes, just send us an email. Use the contact button on our website, retirementunlimited.com, or just give our office a call. Our phone number is 951-684-7011. Each week, we discuss life's hard financial questions in three sections. Uh, we talk about it in Retirement Update, uh, then Tactical Asset Management, and then in News You Can Use. Now, this week in Retirement Update, we want to talk about something that is it's really difficult, and, and it's, it is, I guess it's for the Gen Xers primarily, but it's for any generation where their parents are still alive, and they're trying to put children to college, get them started mm-hmm. in life, and it's what we call the squeeze. I mean, if you feel, if you're listening to us and you feel almost desperate, where are you going to find the money? And if you've got mom and dad who's going through healthcare delivery, um, their expenses are climbing and they don't have coverage, just don't have enough assets. And at the same point in time, you've got children that you're trying to get prepared for college and they could be younger, but it's, it's something that's kind of looming out in front of you, right? Yeah, this is, this is the, the squeeze generation or the sandwich generation, mostly Gen Xers, but some baby boomers, you know, right. some different. And it's, it's the generations, and there's a lot of them out there right now that are caring for their parents as well as still caring for their kids. And it could be because you know, the kids are still at home, even years when you think they weren't. Yeah. I mean, you've, you've had conversation with clients recently where the boys were at home, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. They, they're, they're old enough. They could be out, but they're still home. And, you know, there's some kids who are independent and they're great. And because of COVID, you know, there's, there's some situations of, of why they're there, some good reasons, but this is a hard dynamic. And the, you said the cost, there's the cost financially of caring for a generation above and a generation below. There's also the cost emotionally um, and mentally. Um, and even people who are just having to give up some of their jobs, you know, that they're taking a, a lower role at work or having to exit work to care for. There's a, there patients. is millions of people who are ca- the primary caregivers for somebody in their family. That means they probably can't work or they have to have reduced schedules at work in order to take care of their parents. Right. And this isn't um, a gender specific discussion, No, but it does happen to fall more on women. Yes. Um, but they are the caregivers for their aging parents as well as for um, kids. And what we're talking about today is kind of the financial aspect of it, of you have a parent who needs uh, some financial support maybe right. they're using their own assets, but they're just not enough. Um, so, so family members are, you know, the smallest things of you buy them a cushion or you buy them a chair or you bring something over that that's minor items. The more significant is you're, you're paying for major items and, or their full care. Well, if they start, if they start to fail and of course the I mean, the thing that most people fear is, of course, loss of memory. So a short term, a cognitive disorder like like Alzheimer's or whatever. And it, it's most families are unprepared for that kind of long term outcome yeah. and and to care for somebody inside their home. But if they go into a nursing home or into a retirement facilities, if there is not appropriate power of attorneys in place, mm-hmm. those people start to move to kind of take over. The assets. I, I've had it happen. I've, I've experienced it personally, where the caregivers were actually starting to move to take over the financial 
and in, in my mind, uh, thievery. Mm. And we had, I had my attorney that we worked with um, and the client's attorney and myself, and we, we were able to orchestrate um, a recovery or a resistance, I guess is the best way mm. to say that. So, and, and I think people who are aging, who don't have anyone, that that's a scary position. Oh my you know, goodness. not we're talking about today, but that's a hugely scary position that you say, I have some assets and I'm aging. I don't have family. I don't have an advocate. That's a really scary place to be. And so Someone who's in the sandwich generation, you know, knowing that you are appreciated by your parents, even if they aren't expressing that or you're not feeling that, but knowing that it's a scary world and having an advocate for someone who's aging is so valuable. But the question is, how much are you sacrificing as that sandwich generation? How much are you sacrificing of your own retirement, right. of your kids' ability to, go to college? So some of the things I want to talk about, you know, one of the pieces of advice is kind of like when you're on an airplane and the oxygen masks come out, you know, please affix <laughs> your mask first, first and then help others. Um, and it, we laugh at that, but the, the idea being, if, if you spend, you know, your life savings, your retirement and all your resources on your parents' generation in assisting them, which is a noble and wonderful thing, you're going to be in that same position for your kids. And children, children have options. Um, you know, again, a, a child is not just some appendage to you. It is a responsibility and, and you want the best for your child. And that is your focus. That should be your primary focus over and above the focus to your parents, mm. parents who, for whatever reason, are in this kind of dilemma. But I would say from a financial planning standpoint, I like, I like your comment, you know, the oxygen mass falls down first, you better take care of yourself first. So right. your retirement plan, your savings, your fiscal house should be in order. Then you, then you focus on your children to do what we can. And there's some, there's some options for your yeah. child, right? Yeah. The difference, I guess, being between, you know, first making sure that you're in a good spot, but then looking at your parents and your kids, you're trying to pick between one or other. And this is, you know, time and money we're talking about, right. but, but mainly the money side for kids, the difference being there are other resources, right? You know, they, if, if you can't pay for college, um, there are loans they can take. There is a community college route. There, there's lots of ways to get the, there's also some concert. tax credits, some yeah, other things absolutely. that they can realize. I mean, there's some things that you can do uh, for a child or particularly going to college that is different. I mean, there's no, there's no, tax credit for a parent who's going through dementia. I mean, right. yeah, if they're living as a dependent in your home, you know, perhaps and right. you check your CP on those, but if they're living um, in a facility and you're, you're simply paying fees, I'm not sure how they would, how you would reduce, reduce that or, you know, take right. that credit. But the hard part is the moral aspect to say, you know, there's a need right now for my, for my mom or my dad or my in-laws and I want to care for them. And I feel this burden to care for them. Um, so in the moment, this is a very, very hard. We have a number of clients. So this is a very hard situation. Situation, but ten years prior, fifteen years prior, it's not that hard of a situation right. to really make a plan to say, "I anticipate I'm going to have to care for a parent." You know, I don't know which one, but I've got four. I've got four of them between my spouse and I. I'm, I anticipate we'll have to care for somebody. So let's either start saving for that. Let's get some long-term care policies. You know, yeah, there, there's a number of ways to to plan for that, but you have to plan for it before it happens. Right, because if you're in the midst of the emergency, it's almost too late. Yeah. It, the fire is in the house, so to speak. And, and at that point in time, you can't get fire insurance. So you need to be dealing with options and circumstances well ahead of time. And that's, again, you know, we, we, we hit this, this nail on the head all the time, you know, build a plan. Hmm. And that's part of the strategies is healthcare delivery, not only for yourself. So a lot of times when we sit down with clients, we ask them, what's the age of their, of their, of their parents? Mm -hmm. What's their health? Are there other siblings involved? Do you feel like you're going to receive an inheritance or do you feel like you're going to have to contribute to that household at some point in time? And that's a very serious conversation. We yeah. don't want to take that lightly. 
Yeah. So yeah, and then where whether a parent could move in, you know, that that's a whole other right. emotional side. You know, not just the financial, but we would a parent move into the home to care for them that way. And and you know, some of the options when you have all the resources, there's lots of options. Right. When the resources become limited, the you know, time and money, the options become limited. And in in every situation, there are some options. And part of that is is planning early to make sure you're maximizing the options you have to care for your parents and your kids. And if, if you're in that generation or you anticipate being in that generation, knowing that it's a tough spot to be in. Right. And a plan goes a long way. So anyway, um, if you'd like to sit down and talk with us about this, if you if this resonates with you, give us a call. Phone number is 951-684-7011. Stay tuned for our next section. We're going to talk about tactical asset management. You know, retirement is supposed to be a secure time. Are you secure? Do you and your loved ones have the information needed to make the right decisions about retirement? You need counsel, not another salesperson, an advisor that looks out for your interest more than theirs. This is Dennis Prager, and I'd like you to call Randy Barkley, a certified financial planner who's been serving the Inland Empire for over 26 years. He's a retirement specialist who works for you on all the important and often confusing things that determine how comfortable you are in retirement. Call Randy Barkley for a free consultation and learn for yourself what I've learned. He can be trusted. Randy Barkley, 888-627-8371, 888-627-8371. Or visit me, Randy Barkley, at retirementunlimited.com. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back. This is the section of the program that we refer to as tactical asset management. I guess the subject that top of mind right now is inflation. You know, everybody talks about the gas prices. Everybody talks about what it costs to fill up their car. Talks about labor, you know, the all the help wanted signs out there. But let me let us give you some information that will help you kind of see the future a little bit more clearly as best as you possibly can. There is, in fact, starting to reverse. In other words, people are coming back to work. I mean, mm-hmm. this is this is a big deal. It is a big deal. I mean, people have called it the great resignation. Right. You, know, you had COVID in 2020 and 2021 that people were leaving jobs at right. record rates um, for all sorts of reasons. You know, some fear of being sick, some of just reevaluating their life, some able to work remotely. And so they say, I'm leaving this job. I'm going to pick up another one or start my own business. There's mm-hmm. uh, no statistics, but we looked at it earlier and the number of new businesses that were started over the last two years is phenomenal. Oh, it was amazing. You know, people are going to, into business for themselves and starting side hustles and side jobs. It, it, it's incredible. But with that, it's been this great resignation. Well, that is starting to, to turn a corner. Right. And we're seeing people go back to work, not just the help wanted signs, but actually help wanted signs that are getting filled. And, and there's two there's two categories that I think are very significant. First of all is young mothers. Mm. Young mothers at a much larger rate right now feel comfortable going back to work because they know that their child or children are going to stay in school. The schools yeah. are not going to shut down. The second one is retirees, which is really interesting because retirees are going back to work. They, maybe they retired early and their former employer or some other company that had interest in, uh, they're going back to work. So the participation rate is rising, which is yeah. a very good sign, folks. It's a very good sign. And so the, the number on that is it's, it's 0.4 of a percent over the last three months, which is not a big number. Not, right? not a big huge number. But this is a, a metric that does not move quickly. Right. And that is a great indicator to say we're moving in the right direction. That The participation rate is basically the percentage of people from the whole population that are participating in the labor force. And most most 
the, the two sticky areas as far as inflation is concerned is labor and housing. Now, we're talking primarily labor, but it's a supply and demand thing. So the more supply of employees or people that are willing to work, the less demand on upward salary movement is going to happen. Again, employers still have to wrestle with paying somebody in order to get them and to retain them. But we see this as the fulcrum moving the other direction. Yep. And I think you'll start to see inflation be affected by this. Yeah, there's great hope for this one, um, is that people are getting back to work. And, and part of, I think, employers are shifting. We talked about this, I think, last week, that a lot of employers are offering uh, not just increased pay, but flexible work schedules where right. it's reasonable for their business. Um, we even talked about people who are retirement age working in these unique schedules right. to say I'm almost partially retired. I mean, we've, we've experienced that in our own company, yeah. right? Yeah, we have people that work remotely. We have people who work part-time with flexible hours um, to allow them to um, deal with life you know, as, mm -hmm. how, as life has it. So with this, we're seeing the, the labor participation rate go up. The other thing we're seeing is the quits rate go down. And the quits rate is kind of what you think it is. It's, it's the number of people quitting yeah. each month. You know, how many, um, and it is often they sample these through like ADP or um, these other oh, payroll services, yeah. yeah. They report the number of people who were terminated or, or quitting. And the quits rate has fallen, you know, 0.6% for January to February of this year. So similar to, you know, it being a small amount, it, it's a pretty significant move because it's such a large aggregate number. Yeah, it's the trend that we're looking at. And the trend is clearly in the, in the uh, good um, direction as far as that's concerned. Now, one, one of the primary reasons, I mean, one of the the uh, key stimulus things that's causing this is that the um, you know the the stimulus from the government is starting to be used up. It yeah. stopped, and now the excess savings. So, the cost of goods and services. You know, you probably get a shock at the at the grocery store as well as on the uh, you know the gasoline line. Pump, yeah. You're saying, oh, I probably should go back to work. My savings are starting to diminish, and that causes people to react. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder how much of this is based on desire and how much of this is based on need. And I imagine the answer is a little bit of both and it's different for every person. Right. But the pump, I know that, you know, I'm feeling, I think everyone's feeling the, the price of the pump and at the grocery store. Um, and, and we talk about inflation. We're hopeful that this, you know, is not a long-term thing, but a shorter yeah. term item, but still the, the impetus to say, you know, if you're a single family, a single income family, maybe it's time to go back to being a two income family. Mm -hmm. If you're, you know, kind of getting through COVID, and kind maybe of you got surviving. some stimulus that were that allowed you to get through that. Yeah. You could get by on one one salary, but now it's it becomes evident. Yeah, and if the fear of COVID or the concern of COVID is going away, and or the fear, like you said, of schools, I, I think that's a huge one. The confidence to say school is not going to shut down this next year. You know, kids are going to be in classrooms, and that'll be a functional, safe place for kids. I think there's a lot of families out there that, with that confidence, allows them to make choices to move forward and go back to work and get right. careers and. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, we looked at it, the early stages of the pandemic. We looked at the stats uh, mostly with young mothers. I mean, it was very significant. And what what were their options? I mean, if schools were shut down, what were their options? They right. couldn't hire. Right at that time, daycares and things weren't weren't functional. Yeah. You know, they'd all stop. So it's either keep the kids home or yeah. have family members. And neither of those for often are not good options. Right. So there's a lot. You said a lot of parents, significantly mothers statistically, but also I'm sure fathers. Um, but a lot of parents had to stay home and exit the workforce. And some of the the, the gains made in, in the recent decade for you know women you know, working at equal pay and working in equal jobs, you know, we're, we're not there yet, but I think there's some inroads have been made. Some of that, I think, was, was a big step backwards of a lot of women yeah, feeling they needed to exit. For sure. But again, and, you know, coupling with this, 
What I'm also reading is that the supply chain is starting to heal. And of course, it's, it's, a, um, it's, it's a lot of factors that go into this. But I look at the, the uh, ships that are off the shores that are ready to unload the cargo onto Long Beach in L.A., and that's starting to diminish. They're starting to get rid of that, starting to get more supply chains. Now, on the other end of it, you know, China's having some difficulty. So they're one of our major um, importers to us. So they're having troubles with COVID on their shores right now. But what we're seeing is some of some key things starting moving in the right direction. So again, we don't see inflation continuing to rise exponentially from here. We expect it to be around for a while. But yeah. at the same point in time, think of it like a teeter-totter. So is supply and demand. And the more, the more supply that comes in, the demand starts to diminish. In other words, if you have more people working, uh, employers have more ability to hire somebody at more competitive rates. They don't have to pay a much higher wage for everybody. And then also the things with goods and services. As you get more supply of goods and services, goods for like groceries, they should start to um, diminish as far as the yeah. costs and such as that. Yeah, the leveling out. And um where we'll be a year from now, we'll see. We we don't like to make predictions of that and try and just yeah. follow what we're seeing. But I, I think for as far as these indicators, you know, the labor participation rate going up, the quits rate coming down. I'm sure for a lot of small businesses, especially the stability that they probably are feeling uh, with their workforce, as well as being able to bring on folks, it it's a great move in the right direction. Yeah, and I think that people wake up one morning, they look at their bank account, they look at the opportunities, they look at the issues that they have in front of them. All of a sudden, they're starting to say, "Okay, I got to break out of this. I got to break out of this bubble and go back to work." So this is moving in a positive direction. We want to give you news that you can use. We want to give you something that is that gives an indication of where the economy is probably going to be headed. If you'd like to know more about this and the information that we use to help people manage their money, give us a call. Our phone number is 951-684-7011. Stay tuned for our next section. We're going to talk about news you can use. Hi, this is Hugh Hewitt. Hey, if you're retired or approaching retirement, listen up. Retirement planning is critical to your financial health. And like choosing the right doctor, your financial planner must be able to understand your concerns, help you navigate through your retirement, which can be filled with uncertainty, volatility. Certified financial planner Randy Barkley has been assisting clients for 30 years by helping them understand all the information that to most of us can be overwhelming. Go to retirementunlimited.org or call Randy Barkley for a no-obligation appointment at 888-627-8371. That's 888-627-8371, retirementunlimited.org. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back. This is the section of the program that we refer to as news you can use. Hey, here's the question. What's something that's worse than COVID that you can control, that oh. you can take care of? Oh, I don't know. There's a lot of things out there, maybe. <laughs> There's a couple things that are worse than COVID that you actually have control of. One of them is tobacco. Mm. Isn't, that, isn't that sad? But we, have, we lose more people from tobacco, bar none, more than we lost from COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Th this article that we're reading talks about heart disease and heart right. disease in America specifically and, and the world. It has both America and the world. But the idea being that from tobacco, hypertension, which is blood pressure and air pollution. They kind of add those together. Those are the, the, the kind of three biggest um, contributors to heart you disease. You can't do much with air pollution, right? I mean, what are you going to do? Start well, walking I, and bicycling? I can't specifically, <laughs> but you know, our country can. But the idea right. is saying over the last two years, America's lost about 900,000 people to COVID. It's a tragic number. 
Um, I mean, however, worldwide, that is, by the way, folks, worldwide, they've lost 10 million people 10 million. Yep. From, COVID. from COVID. How many people have died in the last two years mm. from cardiovascular? Yeah, heart attacks and strokes. And in the U.S., the number being 1.6 million. That's a lot. So nearly double what COVID was. And the worldwide, 35 million uh, people passed Nobody's away. panicking getting rid of all the cigarettes, are they? And, and the question, the part that I think is interesting here is these are not items that are just, uh, you know, it is what it is. It's genetic. It's, it's the way you live. These right. are very controllable items. And there's an interesting quote in this article that it said, you know, when, when the health department is mandating things and telling us what to do, such as wearing masks or yeah. things like that, I thought that was a good it's quote. kind of said that we've, we've missed the boat already. Like we as right. a society aren't caring for ourselves in the ways that we should. Now COVID of course was a, a unique moment and the masks became a, a rallying cry on both sides. But for these items, tobacco, hypertension, which is blood pressure and air pollution, you know, these are things that we as a society can regulate ourselves. And the extent that we don't, we're seeing significant numbers of people pass away that, that didn't have to. Right. I mean, they, they're, this study here shows that you can reduce tobacco manufacturers could reduce the amount of nicotine in the cigarette, yeah. which would make it less addictive and probably less harmful. I don't know, but. Right. And, and I mean, that, but, that but they're not going to do it. Yeah. They're not going to do it because it's going to cut their sales. Right. And, you know, smoking in our country, you know, say 50 years ago was so normal. Um, in restaurants, we're even laughing the day that we live here in California and uh, we're visiting some family in, in the Midwest and there's a restaurant to go into and there's a smoking section and just being shocked of, you know, I remember as a kid, there being smoking sections, right? but in California, I, I don't know the last time that was permissible, you know, to have a smoking section in, inside of a restaurant. I mean, on a cigarette pack, it almost has skull and crossbones on yeah. it. And yet there are new people that are starting up smoking about 1600 a day, they estimate. Wow. And young kids, I mean, vaping being the, the, the probably more popular one with younger kids, right. but it's the same delivery of nicotine, delivery of these things. Um, another option was to, you know, to tax it more significantly, basically saying, can we treat tobacco, not just as a choice? I mean, we're Americans. Can we I just think, price it out, out of, out of commission? Can we yeah, just, can, can we, we just get rid of beat it? it to death by money? And we as Americans, I mean, the, the choice, the freedom, uh, that's part of our American fabric. So I think people can choose things that are bad for them. However, when you look at, you know, our healthcare system and the impacts that we're having and the, and the premature deaths to say, is this something that as a family, you know, you're okay with your family member doing it as a, um, a neighborhood that, you know, who has responsibility for us, I think is the key thing. And, and people have responsibility for themselves, but, but tobacco is one that you yourself can change. You know, you, you can change your, your intake. And the other, and I think this is the hard one. Um, I think maybe in the heart of the air pollution is the, the hypertension, the blood pressure, right? Um, a, a key contributor to high blood pressure is salt. They're saying the amount of salt that we consume in a day, if you eat not say any, but nearly any packaged food, processed food, processed and packaged food, it is going to be nearly impossible for you to stay under your salt intake right. recommendations. It's just part of our society that anything that's been processed, we add salt. And then as you eat it, you know, they're saying, was it five? Uh, you can have a teaspoon of a teaspoon salt a, yeah, a day, which is normal. Yeah. But we give, that's like 10% of our salt intake yeah. is what we put on food. Like we use a salt shaker. Everything else is already in there. It's all, I mean, and you pick up a package of whether it be packaged meat or cereal. I mean, it's loaded with sodium. Yeah. The, the things like meat that are delicious with salt, I, in my mind, that's not that as big of a deal because you know what you're doing. Right. But it, it, to me, the scary one is the cereals or the muffins, anything that's packaged has right. a notable amount of sodium in it. And they've shown that they can reduce that salt and the consumer will still continue to buy that, but they can't just drop it off right away. So I don't know why we don't have legislation to say, this is this is a big deal. Yeah. Hypertension is a big deal. And let's just start reducing requirement. You know, it, it goes back to government implying 
you know, you got to wear seatbelts. Yeah. Okay. If you don't wear a seatbelt, you're saying, well, it's my responsibility. Well, they made, they made a law. Now it's just natural. You get into a car right now, you put on a seatbelt. Right. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to go and say, this doesn't have any added salt and it, you know, it's food still tastes good. Yep. Yep. That's right. That's right. Anyway, if you'd like to get a copy of this article, we'd be more than happy to send it out to you. Give us a call at 951-684-7011. If you have a topic you'd like us to discuss on a future episode, send us an email using the contact button on our website, retirementunlimited.com, or give our office a call. It's 951-684-7011. Until next week, folks, may you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening. Information and ideas discussed on this program are in the nature of general comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Do not constitute legal or financial advice and do not create an attorney-client or fiduciary relationship. Any examples or circumstances discussed are fictional. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor, tax consultant, or attorney, as well as conduct their own due diligence prior to making any decisions. Investments involve risk and the possibility of loss, including the loss of principal. All situations are different and results may vary. Randy Barkley is a California life insurance agent, California license number 0518567. And Jeremiah Lee is a California licensed attorney and is responsible for this communication. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisory firm.